0: Hey, so welcome to the podcast. This is Paul Perkins, and this is evangelismpress.com. Hey, so today we're having Brian Chilton on the podcast. We're going to be talking with him about his new book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. And he's just going to go over some basics about how to defend the faith and just sort of why he wrote the book. So we're looking forward to talking to Brian. And before we go, hey, make sure you check out the website, evangelismpress.com. we got some new articles up on the website this week, a new one by Andrew Bowman on just various podcasts you could look at, listen to this week. So he's got some some advice on podcasts that would encourage you. We've got a new article by Hannah Bourne on youth ministry. So maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're an Uh, maybe you're not, maybe you just, uh, you attend church, just attend church. Did you hear that? Maybe you attend church and you just, you want to pass a good article along to maybe one of your youth workers. Check out Hannah Bourne's article on youth and Lauren Hannah also has a great article on youth ministry. Check those articles out and many other at evangelismpress.com. See ya. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Brian, what's going on, brother? How are you today? Pretty good. Hope you are. Yeah, man. So, hey, so we're talking today. We've been friends for, I don't know, maybe a year or so, and I know you're into apologetics, and recently I saw where you just put out a book, I guess your first book. What's the name of the book, and why did you, like, what says to Brian Chilton, I'm going to write a book? Like, what is this book, Brian, that you just put out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. the uh, the, the book is called "The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics," and uh, this I had been wanting to write, and, and this you know, I plan to write more books. In fact, I'm I'm actually already uh, outlining a third book, and and in the process of writing a second book now. Uh, all the while, build. Uh, we're finishing up my PhD and building a house. So yes, I am clinically insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're building a lot of but, stuff at once, right? But
1: this actually came about. Uh, I was. I had been planning to do something like this for some time, uh, but just in the sovereignty of God, it all just worked out amazingly. Um, our. Hey, I'm part of the. We're part of the Southern Baptist Convention and yeah. southern baptist convention we have what's called directors of missions and they're over the local associations you have like the national convention state conventions and then then local almost like county associations but it doesn't always run along county lines so anyhow having said all that the southern baptist commission a convention also has what they called a seminary extension program and this is for individuals who uh um uh, have never gone to college, uh, and and never gone to, you know, never gone to seminary or college, quite frankly, and they want to learn more about the Bible. They want to learn more, uh, about how to interpret scripture. Maybe they were called late in life. They don't have the funding, don't have the ability to, for whatever reason, to go into seminary. So this program is geared and not only for pastors, but for laity as well. It's geared to them to, uh, train them on how to interpret the Bible train them in different aspects, systematic theology, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, things. Um, so I w- many people have been asking uh, Dr. Dan Merritt. He, he wrote the preface and actually writes an article at the end of the book uh, in the uh, appendix. He asked me, along with Dr. Williams, uh, who oversees the entire program in Nashville, Tennessee, to write an apologetics program for uh, for la- laity. Oh, wow. All uh, that everyone can understand because they said they had been getting hit with a lot of pastors, a lot of youth leaders who said their youth are having questions. They're going off to college. They're being confronted by atheist professors. They don't know how to answer these questions or even where to start. And so they, they need help uh, to, to know how to give an answer, how to give a defense against these things. And so they told me that you need to write it on a level that someone who's never gone to college or seminary can understand. And that was a big concern because apologetics can get very deep because Hey, let's let's
0: hold the phone. Let me interrupt you real quick. Um, For our listeners, and then we'll pick back up in this vein, Brian, but for our listeners, what let's say they're listening for the first time today. They've never even heard the word apologetics. What, in a very accessible way. What is apologetics, Brian?
1: Quite, it's funny you asked that. I was I was recording a podcast for Villator Christie uh, with Curtis Avilo. I, I never can say his name right. Vilo he's, he's out in Montana. And so uh, I was telling him last night as we recorded the podcast, I, I that, that's not an unusual question because my father-in-law, he congratulated me on writing a book, getting it published. And he says, now that I, asked, I said that, what in the world is apologetics? (laughs) (laughs) So he was excited about the book, but he said, what is this? Yeah. So it's a natural question. Apologetics is not apologizing for the faith. It's, it comes from a Greek word apologia, which means a defense. So you're, you're, you're not only stating what you believe, you're stating why you believe what you believe. Uh, What are the reasons we have for believing that the Christian worldview is true? So, that's what uh, apologetics is. In the book, I even talk about uh, biblical reasons. There are several people who were apologists. Defenders of the faith may be a better way of putting that, uh, just to say apologetics is basically defending the faith, uh, and that's what it amounts uh, to.
0: That's, uh, so you're given answers, Brian, to objections. You're given answers to challenges, and they could, they, they might not even be from without christianity it may be from within in a sense of people's own consciences or mindsets maybe they grew up in in a very science science drenched household which christianity is not against science as we both know but there may be questions dealing with or any number of things right
1: absolutely absolutely now now personally I am more of an evidentialist, which which basically means I deal more in the historical realm of apologetics. In in my Ph.D., uh, I'm going at Liberty University for theology and apologetics, but my minor is also going to be in church history. Uh, And I've always loved history. In fact, whenever I was looking at Ph.D. studies, I thought about just going for a Ph.D. in history uh, because there's so much historical validity for the faith in, in uh, so, so much we could talk about even the history of the church and how that's impacted our views our views today um, but there are different genres of apologetics so yeah there's a scientific realm of apologetics there's a philosophical realm uh, of apologetics uh, there's even here, here comes a million dollar word an epistemological se- sector of apologetics how do we know what we know uh, that's a big question, yeah. And um, so ontological, you know, the the nature of being. Uh, it, it, there's another million-dollar word. A lot of these are Greek words that's just been adapted, <laughs> right, into into our speech. But but there's several different branches of apologetics, and uh, uh, and yeah, you're right because because uh, the Christian worldview is being con- combated on several different fronts, and it's only getting worse. I read. Uh, I read Paul just recently where Generation Z uh, individuals born between 2000 and 2015 were a third of Generation Z is now identifying as non-affiliated with any religious persuasion whatsoever. That's up from even the Millennial generation, uh, which is up from Generation X. I'm I'm well, I'm one of the last few vestiges of the Generation X. I barely squeezed in Generation <laughs> X. Hey,
0: that's part just of, by one year. That's part of the the reason behind even this website or this podcast is, uh, is at least under that umbrella of those surveys there's a lot of people that won't identify not only will they not ad- now they they won't identify publicly because of a lot of those people because of the scrutiny because of the at least verbal persecution but the the other reason is they don't want to do evangelism either. That's a part of one of those studies. So the the next generation feels like evangelism is sort of a dirty word. I want to talk about evangelism in a moment. Let's get back in this vein, Brian. So you 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 begin to write this book and you're accessible to whether it be our father in law or It may be a Sunday school teacher. It may be a a 20 year old who's struggling in college with different questions. Um, So as you're getting into it, just briefly, give me a snapshot. Did you did you start? Did you have a bunch of ideas and articles already piled up from years of study? Or was there a few areas that were really challenging to you? What was that like writing?
1: Yeah so yeah I, I've been I've been blogging and uh doing podcasts since probably about 2012 so so I've been at this churning this out for quite some time so over that time I've been studying I've actually been studying apologetics and theology for since about uh probably 2007 something like that uh yeah. it, it was seriously in, in seriously in depth uh Going back to the production book, I, I want to finish that story right quick before I get yes, into the But so, so going back, they, the Dr. Williams and Dr. Merritt had asked me to create a class for the Seminary Extension Program and, and make it accessible for all people. And so what I basically did is I designed that class, and actually we're, I'm finishing up the first class that I've taught uh, in that program uh, up in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And the class was approved. It was a go. So I, I had this material It was about 140 pages or something like that. And I told Dr. Merritt, I said, or asked Dr. Merritt, I said, this is almost like a book. I said, would you care if I turned this into a book? He says, your material do with it as you please. Right. So I sent the book proposal to with uh, within stock publishers. I didn't know what to expect. First time I've ever done anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and lo and behold, um, Lo and behold, they, they said, yeah, we'll take you up on it. And so what a, I already had the outline ready for the for the classes, which were about uh, 15, 16 lessons altogether. And so what I did is I made the lessons into chapters, and I beefed up, I added about 100 extra pages worth of material, uh, including three appendices at the end, one which that uh, Dr. Merritt uh, wrote himself called the Theodicy of the Cross, mm-hmm. uh, which is that one... He goes into some of the teachings of P.T. For- Forsyth. That alone is worth the price of the book, uh, seeing his article on that. Um, so the book itself, though, is divided up into three sections, uh, three units. The first unit is kind of a prolegomena, which talks about another million dollar word, which talks about the nature of truth. Uh, we go through the laws of logic. We go through. Uh, the nature of truth itself. How do we know what's true? What can be known? And uh, we talk about the correspondence theory of uh, of truth and the biblical definition of truth found in the Greek term and a lot more. So we lay the foundation of how we know what we know. And this combats the whole ideology of agnosticism, saying that we really can't know anything about God or we can't know anything about anything your son would even say and so um so it combats that on the first level and also the whole idea that what's true for you may not be true for me that's a that's a classic statement in today's time as well
0: hey that's but, not true brian i can't run with that man <laughs> come on man i mean, well, we're it, using these million dollar words can not i just simplify it down and just say you know what it's not different strokes for different folks i mean can't we just run with that brian what in the world is wrong with that why can't i just why can't I just phone it in, man, and just not worry about it? Like what's well, Frank? Say to, what do you say to that?
1: Well, as Frank Turk would say, if you say what's true for you may not be true for me, and he would ask the question, well, how do you know that's true? Because you're making that true for everybody. So, right. so you have these self-refuting, you have these self-refuting statements. It would be like for me to come on your podcast and say that I can't speak a word of English. Right. You know, Self-refuting claim, because it's clear that I've been speaking English this whole time, uh, you know, or, or it might be like uh, a, a kid who says a dog ate my homework and they have the homework right there in front of them or something of that sort. You know, so uh, self-refuting claims, though, basically are claims that cannot withstand their own scrutiny. Here's another one for you. This actually came from the late uh, Stephen Hawking, who said in the, uh, I think it's the Grand, uh, Grand Design, I believe is the book, he said, philosophy is dead. But that wasn't a scientific statement. To say philosophy is dead is a philosophical statement. A philosophical
0: so statement, philosophy. yep. Mm.
1: He's using philosophy to say philosophy is dead. So th- there's several, and it's amazing how much you find in culture uh, where people don't think through the claims they're even providing. And So that's what the first unit combats.
0: It's interesting. What we're really combating a lot of times in apologetics is just autonomy. I mean, people just don't want to – Come underneath the sovereignty of God is the, is partly the real issue. That's why there's so many that 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 idea is so much in our culture. That uh, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe, and let's on about a, our business. We don't want anybody telling us what to believe, right, Brian?
1: Absolutely, and I would agree with that. and 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 that's what I talk about in the book about different apologetic methodologies. And I think different methodologies are important to use with different people. Uh, because different people are at different stations in life. There are, for instance, Dr. Habermas talks about three forms of doubt. Uh, first, there's what's called the intellectual doubt. Th- this is where evidentialism, classicalism, the classical approach, and other approaches will really be of benefit. Guys like uh, guys who say that they really have questions about some type of uh, something in the Bible— that they have a hard time wrapping their mind about in around and they really want answers. Can we really know that Jesus rose from the dead? And so that would be an intellectual doubt that's combated in that fashion. However, Dr. Habermas makes the argument, I even have this in a book. I used it with his permission that he, that he proposes that somewhere around 70, 80% of doubt is actually emotionally driven, yes. which is uh, based around the whole issue of theodicy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe they lost a loved one, maybe something tragic happened in their life, and they're wondering how could a good God allow such a bad thing to happen. So so rather than deal with the issue or engage the issue, they tuck it away and just say, well, God doesn't exist because a loving God wouldn't let that happen. And then there's a third version called volitional doubt, and this is a this is the type of doubt where a person wants to do what they want to do and they don't want anybody else telling them to do otherwise. For instance, I knew a pastor who uh, had a uh, a young man in his congregation who came up to him and says, "Pastor, I no longer believe in God anymore. I no longer am a Christian." He said, well, "How come?" He says, "Well, I, it's just just these state these these things it teaches. I just can't I just can't agree with." He said, "Okay." He said, uh, are you having relations you're not supposed to have? And the, the man looked stunned. You see, he was wanting to have sexual relations with his girlfriend, and he knew the Bible says that you shouldn't have sexual relations outside of marriage. And so his whole problem that wasn't with the teachings of the Bible. His whole problem was his rebellion. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he didn't want anybody to tell him differently. So I think, I think Habermas has it right. I think there are three forms of doubt And I think you need to use different methodologies with different individuals. And sometimes you just need to, you know, a person has to be confronted with their own rebellion.
0: Yeah, it's really convenient to, uh, and we see that all the time with adultery or something like that in the pastoral ministry, where somebody will come in and they'll say, you know, I don't believe in God anymore or whatever. And next thing you know, you find out exactly like you said, there's sort of an underbelly to this. Um, lack of faith that they currently this crisis that they're in, but they need to get rid of God's morality so they can embrace their own um, version of life and morality. They don't have any choice, and and so it's just like an insanity. It's like a temporary insanity, is it not? A lot of times, absolutely. You know I mean. So, all right. Hey, listen. Do you tell us more about the book if you would like, and if if uh, if you could. Give us like a brief outline, like a layman's outline of layman. Are you covering that? I think all our listeners would know like the resurrection or what have you. What kind of topics are you covering in this book, Brian?
1: Sure. So the first unit deals with the nature of truth. And in this is going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, laws of logic, things of this nature. The second unit deals with the existence of God. So it's going to talk about uh, cosmological arguments for God's existence uh, the The classic design arguments for god's existence, and it gives a few other different types of arguments, some that people may not have even heard before uh but but tries to do so on on a on a level that everybody can understand. We also deal with the issue of miracles. how do we know miracles uh have have occurred? this is combating deism and then uh, the issue of theodicy We deal with that issue uh, in the second unit as well. Third unit is around the uh evidence for the historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection and for uh, the, the veracity of the Bible so we, we really uh, the, the, the pedal hits the metal uh, so to speak in, in the third unit because we talk about evidence for the resurrection of Jesus
0: Hey so if you get a chance make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts to leave us a rating And by leaving us a rating that gets it more exposure, more people uh, are able to listen to it. Also leave a comment if you get a chance. But uh, hey, share this with a friend, a co-worker, whether you live here in Southwest Virginia or anywhere in the country, we'd love to hear back from you. So make sure you comment, check us out, interact with us, shoot us an email. See you guys back to the podcast. Question, Brian. So what's your favorite topic in the book?
1: That's a great question. I would say probably the issue of the resurrection. Uh, that's one of the areas. Uh, resurrection and uh, uh, the historical veracity for, for the New Testament, I think, are the two big issues. That's what two of the areas that really uh, uh, led me back to a stronger faith uh, during my time of doubt, my personal time of doubt. And so Those issues, excuse me, those issues um, were probably among my favorite to deal with in the book.
0: Hey, you know, when people talk about the historicity of the resurrection, what does that do? Like somebody might would think this and I used to think this, but why does that help to know that it's a historical fact, Brian?
1: Well, it goes back to what Paul says in First Corinthians 15. If if the resurrection didn't happen, quite frankly, you shouldn't be a Christian. I mean, that's what that's what he says. Uh, you know, he says, if the resurrections did not happen, if, if the resurrection of Christ is untrue, then uh, then our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. So I think the linchpin of Christianity is built around uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Um, if you know, there are some people who would say that maybe it was some type of spiritual encounter, or spiritual uh, occurrence, or even some people would even say a hallucination. Um, but, uh, I think that, uh, the long and short of it, e- either it did happen or it didn't. And so I think that if you see that, uh, there are good reasons for believing that the resurrection happened, I think that the builds confidence in the faith that we hold.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So there, I mean, there's an element, some people might would say that, you know, when we read scripture, the Holy spirit, the Bible Attest to itself, its own validity. But a lot of times, apologetics—I'm just—I'm teasing this out here. See what your answer is. A lot of times, apologetics will will help at least get rid of some of those roadblocks to for us to even begin to consider to even look at the Bible. A lot of if someone. And that's what, that's what kind of Lee Strobel, that kind of awakening he had, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things because in one of the appendices, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I put in there the, the common objections to apologetics in general. And one of, the, one of the objections is, isn't the Holy Spirit the one that saves? Why do we need apologetics? And the answer is, of course, he's the one that saves. Of course, he's the one that reveals. Apologetics is basically a part, very much a part of evangelism um quite honestly if we're honest god doesn't have to use us for evangelism I mean, he could, he could do the whole kit and caboodle himself uh but he chooses to use us uh in, in this in this form of ministry and i think that as you say i think along with evangelism which really i think apologetics is is greatly associated with evangelism um i think what it does is 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 to hopefully that the spirit will use the material to clear the brush away from uh, a person's mindset and, and to uh, lead them to the faith. It's kind of like the, the testimony of Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell was talking about that uh, he had some objections to uh, the the Christian faith and apologetics cleared the brush, but it was actually when he heard a message, a pastor preached in uh, Jeremiah talking about the love of God and, and uh, the, the plan that God has for our lives. That's where he really came to faith. So The apologetics and evangelism and the moving of the Holy Spirit—all of it must be present uh, to to bring a person to faith. And so, obviously, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work; we're just participating in what He calls us to do.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's not or or. or, And I and I think I think that's what I liked about I was reading through John Stott's commentary on Acts. I guess it was last year, and maybe you and I were discussing Acts or something, but and he's, he makes that same argument that there's room, there was the evidence involved in our belief, and there's also the Holy Spirit. There's no need to, like, split those off. God's at work through and through, and all that process,
1: right, Brian? Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah, so, hey, let me throw this at you. Um, let's say I'm a pastor. Um, it's it's Monday morning, and uh a mom comes in, she says, listen, uh, my son, he's he's been acting really strange the last, you know, he's in the 10th grade, he's been acting really strange the last um, six months or so since he's been in the 10th grade, he has a lot of doubts, and so forth, and so on, while, as we know, some of those doubts may be tempered with many different issues, as you've already alluded to earlier, but. Just for mom's sake, is it good for mom to have this as a reinforcement, a book like this? How does it help the Christian mom or dad?
1: I think it's important for everyone to have this information Uh because uh, – um sorry, my phone went off. <laughs> I think it's important for everybody to have this information because someone somewhere, it, whether it's a child or whether it's a, a, a person in the youth group or something like that, person in the church, uh, quite honestly, I had some of the best questions apologetic questions asked of me about heaven by a lady who was who was in her seventies uh that you know she wanted to know certain things about heaven and she was too afraid to ask someone because uh she was afraid she would be uh um, you know, um, looked down upon by asking these these type of questions so I think these the, this manual these type of these type this type of material is useful to have. And so it's kind of like one of those things. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And everyone I've seen to be talking with here lately as they're youth, working with youth and even children's ministry. There are kids there that, that are starting to ask these questions. And um, it's it's um, it. In fact, I had a guy in who He works in apologetics going to college campuses, tell me that that years ago it used to be that uh, the questions that were asked of God about God and and of um and of Christ was, was only uh-huh. it was asked in the uh uh under undergraduate levels of co- of college and in the early 2000s it was asked in high school and um now i'm being told that they're being asked by kids in middle school and some even as early as is elementary school age so I think a lot of this is coming from the Internet, the exposure of people on the Internet and to uh, the entertainment uh, industry uh, shows of such that do not cast uh, Christianity in a positive light.
0: Right. And it, it may, it's just exposure. I mean, it may not even be legitimate. It's just what are we more exposed to? But I think you're saying to us, hey, there's there's room that we can educate ourselves and. Maybe let's not wait until there's a crisis. Maybe we could go ahead and start learning. I like what you said about the, um, just to chew the fat here for a minute, I like <laughs> what you said about the, um, like an elderly lady or, or somebody who's been in church all their life. You know what's so tough, Brian, is to be in church for the majority of your life and you have to tuck your doubts you know, away and hide them in some chest in the back room somewhere. Because it's just too embarrassing a lot of times in church culture, unfortunately. But it's just in, it's too embarrassing to come out, whether you're young or you're old, and say, hey, I'm not sure about something. And boy, wouldn't it be great if we could get to a dialogue? Not that the the gospel is to be preached, yes, but it'd be great to get to a dialogue kind of like you and I are having right now on, hey, let's let's pull these doubts out into the open sunlight right? Absolutely. And uh, nothing but good can come from it. Isn't it a shame that people live sort of in prison for years in doubt? And I guess that's just a shame. We need to develop that culture. I guess that's for another podcast.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. And and I I think there's this mentality that some people have that if you ask questions of God, that it means that you somehow are weak in your faith. But as you look at uh, the Psalms and look especially at the book of Job, there are many people asking God questions. And, and it's wonderful to know that God's big enough to handle our questions.
0: Yeah, I find that a lot in um, homeschool circles that people ask me, they'll say, hey, so we homeschool our kids, Brian. But people say, hey, listen, don't you think you're sheltering them? And the answer is the opposite. That we're actually not sheltering our kids. We're exposing them to everything Scientifically, the the secular world teaches, but we're also exposing them to books like yours. We're exposing them um, to other books on apologetics or uh, science and so forth that can show that Christianity. It's not like we're trying to pit it against science. We're we want to see the beauty of God in science, in creation. Absolutely. We're not we're not trying to put our heads in the sand. And that's what I like about talking with you. is It's not like we're trying to hide, it, is it?
1: absolutely because because we really have nothing to fear by pursuing the truth because god is truth and he is the ultimate reality and so i think that if we have an open mind and an open heart and are open to the prompting of the holy spirit uh, we're going to find ourselves at the foot of the cross
0: absolutely all right i'm gonna hit you with a crazy question all right
1: sounds like a plan It's,
0: it's a crazy yeah so what this week brian if you and your wife were to go out to eat or or y'all were to sit down and say, hey, this is my favorite meal. What's your favorite meal and where do you get it?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh <laughs> if if it's my wife and I, it would probably be uh Japanese somewhere or or Mexican or something. Or uh uh you know, there's a little place in uh Winston Salem my wife absolutely loves. And uh, Kyoto I think is it uh no no. Is Kyoto's? I think it's right. Anyhow, it's a Japanese restaurant down there, and, and she absolutely loves loves arigatos. I'm sorry, I told you the wrong name. I'm thinking of one one <laughs> in South Carolina, but yeah, arigatos. And she absolutely loves that restaurant. So if we're together, that's the one we normally and it's where we normally go. Something like that.
0: Sounds good, man. Hey, listen, thanks for your time, and I'm going to put some show notes uh, beneath the podcast on the website, and it'll have some links. I look. I think the Kindle is the Kindle book out yet.
1: Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, hopefully, it'll be available in the next week or two. It is coming, uh, but for some reason, it's taking a little longer to get the Kindle out than than what uh, I think I or the publishers uh, anticipated. Right now, the the uh, the uh, the the printed edition is available. The the Kindle version is forthcoming, but uh, I'm not sure when it'll be available.
0: So we'll get a link up on the uh, website this weekend that it, where you can purchase um, the book. And so, hey, listen, thank you, Brian. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy your preaching this weekend.
1: Absolutely, we'll see you, brother. I appreciate it. It's been an honor. All right.
0: Hey, see you, Brian. Bye. Take care. Hey, so glad you tuned in today. And we're thankful that Brian Chilton was with us today. Make sure you go check out Amazon or check out the website evangelismpress.com to see a link to his new book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. And so we look forward to the next podcast. Hey, listen, enjoy your weekend. See you. Bye.